Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 524. Welcome in. Uh, Going to do a short and sweet episode today, breaking down the biggest things this weekend. Then we'll do an episode later in the middle of the week to kind of fill in the gaps and talk about all the other stuff. I got six topics today. Uh, I'll do it like a long-winded explanation at the end of why I'm doing it this way, and I think it's going to be a great move in the future. But let's just jump in for now and talk about what I thought was the biggest game by far this weekend was Michigan at Ohio State. It was number three ranked Michigan on the road at number two ranked Ohio State. Two of the top college football teams in America, both ranked 11-0 going in, and Michigan found a way to win. Michigan won 45-23, to which was very, very surprising to me. Michigan, in fact, was even pulling away by the end of this football game. Going into this game, Ohio State had won every single game by double digits. Their closest game was all the way back in week one when they beat Notre Dame 21-10 in a very convincing way. In contrast, I thought Michigan had been less convincing this year. Their route to 11-0 was, I mean, like, let's be clear. I, I respect Michigan. They've been dominant all year. But there were a couple moments where, you know, they beat Maryland by barely a touchdown. Their scariest win by far was against Illinois, where it required a last-second field goal. And you're like, this team is supposed to be able to beat Ohio State? Like, you barely beat 7-4 and Illinois. And I, again, I want to be clear, if you step back and look at the whole of Michigan's season, they were dominant all year. But I, I really did not expect to see Michigan beating Ohio State, and especially not the way it went down. Now, this game was really close in the first half. Ohio State actually led 20-17 to 17 at halftime. And Michigan, this is a massive key to this football game, Michigan was really, really struggling to run the football in the first half. The only reason why Michigan got two touchdowns in the first half of this football game, was they got two long touchdown passes to Cornelius Johnson. He beat man coverage twice. One of them was a curl route. He broke a tackle, made a man miss, ran for a 69-yard touchdown down the sideline. And on the second one, he ran a double move like a corner post, wide open down the middle of the field for a 75-yard touchdown. But even that, like, you know, one was a really nice play. You broke a tackle, you got a touchdown. Another one was a... Uh, a wide open deep ball, kind of a blown coverage, a great double move. I think at first, early on in this football game, you could write off the success Michigan was having on offense as kind of fluky and even maybe lucky. They weren't running the football. They were getting big plays on offense, throwing the football. But aside from like two big plays, a 69-yard touchdown and a 75-yard touchdown, I think it was very easy to be skeptical of Michigan still by halftime. And then in the second half, it happened again. Michigan threw another long touchdown pass. They beat man coverage. It was clear Ohio State's really struggling with man coverage, and they're blitzing to stop the run, but what they're doing is sacrificing their coverage, and they're not playing coverage well at all. And I really want to give a shout-out to Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy because earlier in the year, Michigan made a change at quarterback. They switched from last year's quarterback, Cade McNamara, to J.J. McCarthy. I remember... You know, they played Hawaii. J.J. McCarthy was incredible. They're like, yeah, this is our guy the rest of the year. And the belief was J.J. McCarthy is more talented. He can take Michigan farther. He's young. He's only 19. But this game against Ohio State is really the first time all year I've been like, yeah, 
the move paid off. Because all year it's been good, but they've been a team that heavily runs the football. They haven't needed J.J. McCarthy to really win with his arm all that much. But in this game against Ohio State, the move finally paid off. And J.J. McCarthy had four touchdowns in this game. He ran for one. Uh, passing, he was 12 for 24. 263 yards. Three big touchdown passes. Um, the J.J. McCarthy move, here is where that paid off. And I remember when it happened saying, if Michigan's going to beat Ohio State, they're going to have to play a more dynamic quarterback. They made the move to J.J. McCarthy. And here we are, like 12 weeks later, going, yeah, look, it worked. Genius move. I love it. Uh, if you're going to talk about numbers and stats, though, you also got to talk about Michigan receiver Cornelius Johnson. Dude had four catches for 160 yards and two long touchdowns. He made a massive difference in this football game. Cornelius Johnson did. Now, on all three of his long touchdown passes, J.J. McCarthy did a great job navigating the pass rush. The first one, the, the curl on a third down, went for a 69-yard touchdown to Cornelius Johnson on the left sideline. He was getting hit as he threw. He's taking a hit. He's throwing at, he's releasing the ball as he's hit, handling pressure really well. On the second one, he steps up in the pocket, avoids a sack, throws a long touchdown. Again, on the third one, he did another move. He stepped up, found a, a long touchdown for 45 yards. J.J. McCarthy not only did a great job avoiding the rush and getting rid of the ball, but Michigan would not have won this game without him. Like, he was the difference in this football game. And it's kind of an exciting thing because he's only 19. He's a young guy. He's in his second year in college football. Ah, there's a bright future there at Michigan. They got a dynamic, really fun quarterback. He's not amazing, but I thought he handled the pressure really well. And he's so young. The future is very, very bright for him. Now, we got to talk about the running game because in the first half of this football game, Michigan literally ran the ball for around only 10 yards. I mean, they just did not have a running game in the first half. They have multiple injuries to the running backs. Blake Corum, their star running back, who's been their number one guy all year. Blake Corum was dealing with a left leg injury, and he only had two carries for six yards. Their number two running back, Donovan Edwards, had a cast on his hand, and he couldn't catch the ball out of the backfield. He could only hold the ball with one hand. Like, you saw it all game. He wouldn't cover the ball up, and he's running up the middle. It was very scary, and I'm like, I worry he's going to fumble. And, in fact, Michigan even briefly put a linebacker in the game at running back. They put Khalil Mullings at running back, who played running back in high school. And I know Khalil Mullings only had one carry for zero yards, but I really like the fact they put him in there because what it did was set up a trick play. There was a play on... You know, Donovan Edwards, their number two running back, the guy that was playing for most of the game, again, only has one hand, so he can't throw a pass. There was a huge third and one where they handed off to Khalil Mullings, and he actually threw the ball downfield for a first down. They set that up by putting Khalil Mullings in the game earlier at running back. It didn't work. They didn't get any yards, but it made it less weird and bizarre when Khalil Mullings came in the game on third and one. They didn't expect a trick play. They thought they were going to run up the middle again like they did the first time. And I think that's it's not only a cool trick play, but it's the way that Michigan set it up by saying, we're going to put him in the game early, make Michigan, you know, make Ohio State's defense kind of not think it's a bizarre, abnormal thing. We're going to play this guy at running back. But really the reason they put him in was because they needed someone who could throw the ball downfield and didn't have a cast on their hand. So I love that. And in the second half of this football game, Michigan finally started winning up front with our offensive line. And they were just good. 
you know, run after run after impressive run. Donovan Edwards had two really long touchdown runs, 75 yards and 85 yards. One was a 92-yard drive, three plays. The last play of that drive, 85-yard touchdown run, and you're like, oh my goodness, how things have changed. Because after only getting right around 10 yards rushing in the first half, I I looked up the stat, I couldn't find it. I remember it was like literally like 10 yards. I don't want to say it was exactly 10 yards, but it was right around 10 yards rushing at halftime. Michigan finished this football game with 252 yards rushing almost entirely. That was all in the second half. And... You know, for Donovan Edwards, with only one good hand, a cast on one hand, one hand free to grip the football, he ran for 216 yards and two touchdowns. And then on top of that, the big reason why Michigan won this football game, J.J. McCarthy was awesome. The running game came on strong in the second half, and then Michigan's defense in the second half of this football game, you got to give them a round of applause. Uh, Mike Sanders still made a bunch of big plays in the secondary. Ohio State only scored three points in the entire second half of this football game. That That's crazy to me. Like, that's one of the most potent and dangerous offenses in college football. And Michigan's defense held them to three points in the entire second half. They picked off Ohio State's quarterback, C.J. Stroud, twice in the fourth quarter. C.J. Stroud had two interceptions in the fourth quarter. I'm telling you, Michigan's defense really, really impressed me in the second half of this football game. And, in fact, I would say that Michigan was just a totally different team in the second half. They finally started running the ball. They played great defense. Um, It was not only a surprise to me that Michigan won this football game, but it was a surprise that they won by double digits, the way Michigan won. They won 45 to 23. They won by 22 points. And if you told me at halftime, again, at halftime, Ohio State was winning 20 to 17. And at halftime, Michigan had around 10 yards rushing. If you told me at halftime that Michigan was going to go on to win the game by 22 points, finish with over 250 yards rushing, and on top of that, one of the most dangerous and potent offenses in all of college football, Ohio State, was only going to score three points, I would have laughed at you, and yet that is exactly what happened. It's really, really cool to see. I, I just like the chaos. I like the drama. I like the story to have the underdog team, Michigan, who at halftime, not running the ball well, they're giving up 20 points to Ohio State, to totally work things out in the second half where you shut down Ohio State's offense. You dominate running the football. I love that. And what a comeback. Not even, comeback's not the right word, but what a change in the second half for Michigan. By the way, Michigan has now won two years in a row against Ohio State. Michigan won at Ohio State, on the road at Columbus, Ohio, for the first time since November 18, the year 2000. Tom Brady was a rookie backup on the Patriots roster, hadn't played yet, when the last time Michigan went on the road at Ohio State and beat Ohio State. Now, we got to give some respect to Michigan's head coach, Jim Harbaugh. In 2020, Jim Harbaugh got so much criticism. He went two and four. It was the really awkward, weird Rona season where they only played six games. And some people, I, you know, I got a, a message about this. I want to, I, I forget who sent me that message. I apologize. I think it was on Instagram. Someone sent me a message about this, but there were people that either were just kind of making a meme and joking or actually really wanted Jim Harbaugh fired in 2020. I remember how bad it was. I, I remember even talking about how like, 
is Jim Harbaugh ever going to make this work at Michigan? I was one of those people who was like, dude, he's going to win 10 games every year, but he can't beat Ohio State. He runs into a ceiling every single year, like 2019, 2020. That's the conversation that was going on. Now, in the last two years at Michigan, Jim Harbaugh has gone 24-2 and and beat Ohio State two years in a row and has had back-to-back 12-win seasons. Tip of my cap to Jim Harbaugh. I love it, man. He really did. Um, it, it took time, but he's built a really impressive program at Michigan, his alma mater. And I just think another way that Jim Harbaugh deserves respect is that after the game, you know, Fox was trying to interview him. And he was They caught him while he was giving J.J. McCarthy like a, a little I love you speech and a hug. They tried to interview him. Jim Harbaugh's like, you know, deflects all attention to his players and walks away. And then he comes back dragging Donovan Edwards and plops Donovan Edwards in the spotlight. And once again, Jim Harbaugh leaves. It wasn't about Jim Harbaugh last, you know, on, on Saturday night. Jim Harbaugh made it about his players. And that's another thing I just love about him is his, his humility and the way he, t- he treats his players. That's just awesome. Um, I would imagine, by the way, after losing for the second straight year to Michigan, I think some people in Columbus, Ohio are starting to have some questions about their head coach, Ryan Day. Ryan Day's a very good head coach. But he didn't build this Ohio State program. He inherited a really, really incredible Ohio State football program when Urban Meyer left. Ryan Day has lost a national title. He's lost to Michigan twice. And the words that I can't get out of my head are actually the words of Jim Harbaugh. Some people are, you know, they start on third base. Some people start on third base and think they hit a triple. Jim Harbaugh worked his way up and really has built this Michigan program to where they are now beating Ohio State two years in a row. Ryan Day is a trust fund baby. He was handed a ton of wealth and he hasn't squandered it, but he hasn't taken Ohio State to new heights in his time with Ohio State. That's worth saying. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. What I am saying is, hasn't won a national title, lost to Michigan two years in a row, and at Ohio State, where the pressure's really high, that matters a lot to lose to Michigan two years in a row. By the way, I think it's worth noting, I, I don't, let's, let's just leave the Ryan Day criticism there for now, because the year isn't over. Uh, as a result of this football game, Ohio State is 11-1. and They will probably not be ranked in the top four I think the rankings come out tomorrow on Tuesday for the college football playoff, but I think there's still a really good chance that Ohio State will make it into the college football playoff. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, The Big Ten title game will be between Michigan and, it's kind of a joke, unranked Purdue. Uh, You know, it's the Big Ten East versus the Big Ten West. Purdue won the West, and then out East you got Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State and all the good football teams, unfortunately. Uh, Now, I walked away from this game really hoping that TCU is going to lose in the Big 12 title game. Because I want to see Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and USC in the college football playoff. Those are the four teams I'm excited to watch in the college football playoff. That was, sounds good to me. Um, and I, I don't know that it's... Like, I, I just don't feel comfortable entirely writing Ohio State off. They had one half of bad football all year. They they lost in the second half to Michigan, and that's the only time Ohio State had a bad two quarters of football all year. Like, I, I just don't think it's... Who's more likely to beat Georgia? 
in the college football playoff. If you give TCU the number four seed or Ohio State, I think Ohio State gives Georgia a much better game. So I don't think this story is over for Ohio State. In fact, I'm hoping it's not. And I would love to see. My dream scenario is that we get Georgia number one, Michigan number two, USC number three, and Ohio State number four. Let's have Ohio State play Georgia. And then if Ohio State can win, and if Michigan can beat USC, which very possible, in fact, most likely, <laughs> then we could get a rematch of Ohio State, Michigan in the national title game. And that sounds incredible. We might also get, you know, Georgia, Michigan, something like that. But I, those are the four teams I want to see in the college football playoff. Now, this weekend, USC, the University of Southern California, beat Notre Dame 38-27. to USC's starting quarterback, Caleb Williams, had four touchdowns. He threw for one. He ran for three. Caleb Williams today, right now, is the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. He's ahead of Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. He's ahead of TCU quarterback Max Duggan. Again, Caleb Williams got USC at 11-1. He's a human highlight reel. He is the favorite right now to win the Heisman Trophy and I, I see it. I, I agree with that. I think he's the best quarterback in college football. I said that before the year started, and people are starting to go, oh, yeah, he was right. I, I'm telling you, when you watch Caleb Williams, he makes defenders look silly. I would say he's like watching a video game, but some of the stuff you do when you watch Caleb Williams, I couldn't even do in Madden or the NCAA video game. The way he contorts his body and makes people miss and throws for big gains downfield it's unreal, and I fully support seeing Caleb Williams as a Heisman Trophy winner. And then I want to see that guy make the college football playoff again. Ohio State and USC, they're both 11-1. and one. And I really want to see both of them in the college football playoff. I think that USC would provide entertainment. Ohio State literally only played two bad quarters of football all year. They would provide a really good challenge for Georgia. And I mean no disrespect to TCU. TCU beat Iowa State 62-14 to this past weekend. It was a dominant win. Again, TCU just won 62-14. to They were up 34-7 to at halftime, 55-7 to to start the fourth quarter. The game was never close, and TCU has stayed undefeated all year. TCU is 12-0. Next week, Texas Christian TCU will play Kansas State in the Big 12 title game uh, at Cowboys Stadium in Dallas. And, you know, K-State... They just won their rivalry game. They beat Kansas 47-27. to K-State is 9-3. Um, actually, earlier in, in the year, in October, you know, K-State barely lost to TCU 38-28. to Now, Kansas State has a chance at revenge, and I find myself um, rooting for K-State in the Big 12 title game. I want to be clear. It's not because I don't like TCU. In fact, I... I've had so much fun watching TCU this fall. Like, every game they play is dramatic and tense and close and fun. And I just want to say, like, I I so much respect and admire Sonny Dykes and the year they've had at TCU. But I do not believe that Texas Christian University, TCU, I don't think they can beat Georgia or Michigan. And I I look at the resume of TCU and it's kind of suspect. They barely beat SMU on the road at SMU by eight points. They beat Kansas by a touchdown. Kansas! They, it took double overtime uh, to beat 
Oklahoma State by three points. They beat Texas by a touchdown. They beat Baylor 29-28 to with a last-second field goal. So, again, Oklahoma State by three, Kansas by a touchdown, SMU by eight, Baylor 29-28, last-second field goal. It was an incredibly fun run. I've enjoyed watching the tension and the drama and the stress of TCU. And every week I've gone, are they still going to be undefeated? And every week they do, and I love it. And I don't want to disrespect TCU by saying I'm, I'm rooting against them. But the four teams I want to see in the college football playoff are Georgia, Michigan, USC, and Ohio State. That sounds like a lot of fun. I think, again, Ohio State would give Georgia a much better game than TCU would. And so I am rooting for Kansas State in the Big 12 title game. If TCU goes 13-0, you got to let them into the college football playoff, even if they're going to get destroyed because you have to reward an undefeated season. It's just, if you don't reward a 13-0 perfect season in the Big 12, then, then you're really making a statement about how much you do not respect that league. And then going undefeated would mean nothing. And I just think that's bad for college football, but... This is a year more than ever. I, I really wish we had expansion because I think TCU ranked number six or five in the nation and in the playoff would be great. But with only four teams, it's like, man, I, I don't, I really genuinely don't believe a 13 and 0 TCU team is better than USC and definitely not better than Ohio State. And the four teams I want, I want Georgia playing Ohio State one versus four. I want number two ranked Michigan playing number three USC. Those are the four teams I want to see get in. Um, there's more time for craziness. Maybe somehow LSU pulls off the upset and beats Georgia in the ICC title game. Maybe USC loses. Maybe who knows what's going to happen. Maybe Michigan loses to Purdue. Like you never know how things could change and free, you know work out. But uh, I want to be very clear. I do not believe the story is over for this year's Ohio State football team. I think they're too good to be sitting at home watching the college football playoff. That seems wrong. And uh, I think the way things shake out, there's still room for them to make it into the college football playoff. Now, in my opinion, the second most interesting game this weekend in the football world was in the NFL's, the Jets-Bears game. The Jets beat the Bears this past weekend, 31-10. And the Jets, finally, finally, for the first time all year, they were not held back by their quarterback. That's because they made a change at quarterback. They benched Zach Wilson. They started Mike White. Mike White was 22 for 28 passing, 315 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. It was glorious. It was fun to watch. And it made me never want to watch Zach Wilson play ever again. I think I was already tired of Zach Wilson, but I was like, I'm trying to preach patience. I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying to see like, you know, he's young, he's learning. And then I watched Mike White do what he did. And I'm like, well, now it's, that's pretty damning. Like you can't, you cannot make any more excuses for Zach Wilson when the backup quarterback clearly is just better and more successful and executes the offense at a higher level and is more patient, makes better decisions. The Jets won and they won because they had a quarterback who finally played well and threw three touchdowns and wasn't making crazy, horrible mistakes. And Mike White had, Mike White had zero turnovers. It was Beautiful to see, quite frankly. And what we saw on Sunday against Chicago is what the Jets' offense was supposed to look like all year long. Garrett Wilson looks like an incredible receiver. He's a first-round receiver out of Ohio State. Dude had five catches for 95 yards, two touchdowns. 
I, I just, this Jets team is ready to win. They lost to the Patriots last week when their defense played lights out. Their offense did nothing. They lost on a crazy special teams play. And the one reason I've said before to give up early on a young quarterback is when either you find it, you know, number one is when you find a better option at quarterback. If you find a better option, I think of when Arizona had a first round pick, Josh Rosen, but then they had the opportunity to draft Kyler Murray number one overall, and they didn't stick with Josh Rosen. They said, Kyler's better. We're going to go with the better option, even though we haven't really given Josh Rosen enough, enough time to properly develop. So either you find a better option at quarterback or another reason to give up on a young quarterback early on in their career is a lack of maturity. And after that Patriots game last week, you know, Zach Wilson did the inexcusable, which is fail to take accountability for the loss. And I think he lost the locker room. I think the locker room was like, really, dude, you don't think you let us down? We held the Patriots to three points and we lost. That's on you. He's completed nine passes in the NFL. That's horrible. It's like nine for 22, something like that. It was really, it was insanely bad. It was less than 10. I think nine for 22. Don't quote me on that. Um, Zach Wilson not only looks immature, but the Jets also found a better option. You got an immature quarterback, Zach Wilson. Mike White is a better option. So you've got both things working out right now. This is not the first time either that Mike White has replaced Zach Wilson and looked really good. Last year, he threw for over 400 yards and three touchdowns and beat Cincinnati. And the Bengals, by the way, that same team went on to play in the Super Bowl. So I just... I don't want to see Zach Wilson come back anytime soon. I am so happy to see what Mike White can do. It's been a, I think the Jets are on the up and up. I think that Michael Fleur, their offensive coordinator, isn't perfect. But man, Robert Sala is an awesome coach. They've drafted really well for years. They've built a really good football team. I had high expectations for the Jets this year. And yet, and yet, Zach Wilson hasn't been it. And it's painful. They drafted him really early on. He's like the number two overall pick. You you drafted Zach Wilson to be your franchise quarterback. But if Mike White's the answer, he's the answer. Right now, Mike White's playing better. And I, you know, Zach Wilson has been horrible this year. His numbers have been, there's a graphic out there where, you know, Zach Wilson's numbers have been worse than Jamarcus Russell's, which that's insane. I, I did not, I didn't realize how bad it was until I saw it on paper. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it really is that terrible. From where I'm sitting today, Mike White deserves a couple games with the Jets. And if he slips up and has a bad game or two, I'm I'm fine with that because it can't be worse than what Zach Wilson's been doing all year. And it's a disservice to the rest of your organization. The guys who work really hard every week, the guys who were drafted, the guys who are, you know, doing great work on defense, you can't lose because your quarterback isn't good enough. And I think Mike White right now clearly is a better option than Zach Wilson. And, um, I mean, look, it was a rainy day on Sunday. It was cold and rainy, and Mike White threw the ball really well in the rain. Again, Mike White, 315 yards, three touchdowns, 22 for 28 passing, zero turnovers. Mike White, he's QB one of the Jets, and he should be for the foreseeable future. There's not that many games left, and I want to see the year play out with Mike White. And if Mike White gets hurt, maybe we can go back to Zach Wilson. But I, you know, I have lost, I think I, it's a a mix of Zach Wilson's lack of maturity paired with clearly the Jets have a better option. When you have a better option and you're losing, when you should be winning and you're letting the rest of your team down, 
You got to stick with Mike White, who's a better option at quarterback. Now, it's worth mentioning, Bears quarterback Justin Fields did not play on Sunday. I think that does make the Jets win a little less impressive. You know, they beat Trevor Simeon. Ooh, they beat a backup quarterback. But, you know, and look, Chicago's a three-win team. I do also want to give credit to Chicago. Chicago realizing we're a three-win football team. They were three and eight going in. They're three and nine now. I'm glad Chicago did let Justin Fields rest. Don't play him when he's banged up. Um, It's a lost year. You don't want to risk the long-term future of your quarterback and his health long-term for this game. In fact, Chicago losing actually gives them a better draft pick. But uh, I think you walk away from Chicago's season right now and say, it's been a great year because we found out Justin Fields is the quarterback of the future for us. And I'll tell you what, I bet the Jets wished they had drafted Justin Fields instead of Zach Wilson. And uh, it's it's a painful one in New York. The Jets are looking at their quarterback going, man, Sam Darnold. Well, we, they went from <laughs> Sanchez, Geno Smith, who's playing well, by the way, uh, but took a long time, to Sam Darnold, to who Sam Darnold won, by the way, on Sunday, to now Zach Wilson. And it's just, it's been a painful turn of events for the Jets. And I think... Um, the least painful option right now at quarterback is Mike White. And let's see what that guy can do because he's played well before. I don't think Mike White really has ever actually had an entire organization behind him, committed to him, believing in him. And I want to see what Mike White looks like when he's not on a short leash. When You know, it's it's different to play quarterback when every mistake gets amplified and you have no room to screw up because if you screw up, they're going to bench you. If Mike White knows, hey, you're going to have a couple games here. Let's see what you can do. If you make a mistake, keep going. Stay confident. Keep firing away. I want to see Mike Wyatt play with the confidence knowing that he's not one play away from losing his job and going back to the bench. And uh, that thought really excites me because clearly Mike White um, executes the offense at a much higher level than Zach Wilson. How about this one? On Sunday night football, Philly beat Green Bay 42-33. The Eagles beat the Packers. The Eagles are now 10-1. And and, uh, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts was unreal in this football game. He ran for 157 yards. He was also 16 for 28 passing, 153 yards. So 157 rushing, 143, sorry, I can't even talk. 157 rushing and 153 passing. More rushing yards than passing yards, but he did throw for two touchdowns. Uh, Jalen Hurts had a really nice back shoulder fade right before halftime for a touchdown. You love to see it. Uh, Right now, Jalen Hurts has kind of shouldered his way the same way he does into the end zone when he runs a quarterback sneak. He's kind of snuck his way into the MVP conversation. His team is 10-1. and He's playing awesome. Um, I don't know that I I agree that Jalen Hurts should be the NFL MVP. I think it's, it's... probably still Patrick Mahomes, to be honest. Um, but it's it's a whole debate about who's valuable. And if we're going to go with player of the year or most exciting new story or something like that, Jalen Hurts is having a breakout year. He's been a great story. He's been a great player. Uh, I think people are sick of Patrick Mahomes and want a new story. So let's give it to Jalen Hurts. And if that's what happens, I support that. But I think the word valuable is the debate word there. And if we're going most valuable, it still is Patrick Mahomes. But um The fact that people are even saying MVP about Jalen Hurts is so cool because I love him. I love his work ethic. I love who he is as a leader. 
And you got to acknowledge that Jalen Hurts has come such a long way. I mean, from getting benched at Alabama for Tua to Oklahoma to year one against Carson Wentz to where he is now. Every single year I've watched Jalen Hurts, he just gets better and better and more comfortable and he protects his body and doesn't get hurt. And now he's throwing back shoulder fades for touchdowns. And you're just like, dude, how far is this guy going to go? And if you, the trajectory Jalen Hurts is on, he gets better every year. It's not slowing down. So how much better will he be two years from now? It's getting incrementally better. It's not these massive jumps anymore, but um, it's an exciting thought to think that Jalen Hurts is in the MVP conversation and yet still, still improving as a quarterback. Now, uh, the Packers lost. They are now 4-8. and eight. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions. They weren't really great. I mean, they're not like ones that I can easily blame a receiver or they were just, they were bad interceptions. And it's kind of him, I think, forcing throws and trying to make something happen downfield. And then Aaron Rodgers got hurt and left the game at the end of the third quarter with a rib injury. So Aaron Rodgers is injured. Um, He's already pretty banged up. He's got a broken thumb on his throwing hand. Now he's got a rib injury. I don't think people can understand how difficult it is to play quarterback with both of those two injuries. I mean, like, it's hard enough to throw a football with a broken thumb on your throwing hand. I I can't even imagine that. (laughs) Like, I, I can't even imagine that. Then you have a rib injury where it's hard to breathe. Every movement hurts. I mean, I I would not want to play quarterback if I was Aaron Rodgers. He didn't want to leave the game, and that's unbelievable to me. You got to kind of tip your cap to that. That's a really tough uh, dude. But uh, Aaron is 38 years old, and I think he's got good football left. I don't know that that football left is going to be played in Green Bay. I've said before, I want to see Aaron Rodgers make a Tom Brady-style move, a Peyton Manning-style move, and leave the team he started with and go somewhere else. I think Aaron, with another organization, is a really fun thought. Hey, maybe the Jets. The Jets are ready to win. They got a great defense. They got a lot of good receivers. They need a quarterback. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers go to New York and be the Jets' starting quarterback next year. But given that the Packers are 4-8, and eight, given that Aaron is 38 years old and injured— um, even after last week, last week, the Packers were four and seven. And I started asking the question, when do you bench Aaron Rodgers and start thinking about the future and Jordan Love, your former first round pick at quarterback? And in this game, it kind of happened naturally. Aaron Rodgers left the game injured. Former first round pick Jordan Love came in the game, played the entire fourth quarter. He only got two drives, but he scored on both drives. He made the deficit smaller between, you know, he came in down 14. He lost 40 to 33. Clearly something good was going on with Jordan Love. Jordan Love went six for nine passing, 113 yards, had a touchdown pass, uh, had this awesome throw to Christian Watson on a crossing route. Christian Watson caught it, ran for about 50 yards after the catch. It's a 63-yard touchdown pass. Dude, Christian Watson, that dude was moving by the way like oh my goodness Uh, I think he's got six touchdowns in the last three games and he is just wow as Christian Watson coming alive as the year has gone on looking like a great draft pick by the Packers people are all mad the Packers myself included by the way so I don't want to like throw stones without acknowledging I was wrong too I was like are the Packers not going to draft a receiver in the first round but they seems like they found a steal in the second round with Christian Watson um now 
I think you, if you're a Green Bay, I believe the Packers should stick with Jordan Love as their quarterback. You can let Aaron Rodgers heal, get healthy. It's a convenient way to bench him, to be totally honest. And it's really, really important that the Packers figure out how good Jordan Love is because they need information on Jordan Love in order for them to help make decisions this offseason. How are you going to build your football team if you don't know who your quarterback is going to be next year? You got to figure out whether Jordan Love can be the answer you need or not at quarterback. And at 4-8 and eight, with Aaron Rodgers injured, you can make the argument, we got to protect our quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a two-time NFL MVP. He's awesome. We don't want to see him get injured anymore. It's hard to play with the rib injury. I think it's probably time, though, that you really lean into protecting Aaron as long as possible because it's time to figure out how good Jordan Love is. And I think we're going to see a lot more of Jordan Love. I think that's really good. In fact, it makes me more interested in watching the Green Bay Packers the rest of the year. Now that the season is over, it's, sorry, you're 4-8. and eight. You're not going to make the playoffs in Green Bay. The year becomes about the future and... The most interesting storyline for the future is whether or not Jordan Love can be the franchise quarterback in Green Bay. By the way, uh, shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles. Just as a team, they ran for 363 yards and three touchdowns. Jalen Hurts ran for 157 yards. Miles Sanders ran for 143 yards and two touchdowns. That's a dominant, dominant group up front for Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, Jason Kelsey has a podcast. I keep seeing clips of him and his brother, Travis Kelsey. I, I just, I love that dude. I really, I like the moves they're making. The Eagles offensive line is releasing like a Christmas album. And I find it really cool to see the relationship. You know, I watched Jason Kelsey running off the field, the Eagles center, by the way, hugging and celebrating with Jalen Hurts after being 10-1 and one to start the year and beating Green Bay. What a cool moment. I just I really like Jason Kelsey. Awesome dude. I love Jalen Hurts, and you'll love to see him do well. All right. Um, told you it was going to be a quick one. We'll talk about why it was quick in a second. But last topic of the day, the Carolina Panthers beat the Denver Broncos 23-10. Sam Darnold made his return. Uh, Sam Darnold started for the Carolina Panthers in this game. First game of the year for him. And Sam Darnold didn't set the world on fire. But he was all right. And I think part of the interesting storyline here is that the Jets replaced Sam Darnold with Zach Wilson. They could have used one of their first-round picks that, you know, they they drafted Zach Wilson number two overall. Can you imagine if the Jets had kept Sam Darnold, kept building around him, and then used that draft pick they, you know, picked Zach Wilson with, which looks like a wasted pick now, to come you know, double down and really keep building with Sam Darnold. Anyway, I rest my case. That's a total side tangent. Um, Sam Darnold wasn't amazing against the Denver Broncos. He was 11 for 19 passing 164 yards. He threw a touchdown. He also ran for one. It was a weird one though, where Sam fumbled on the goal line, picked up the ball. He like log rolled sideways into the end zone. It was, it was bizarre, but it worked. So he had two touchdowns and Sam Darnold won. Sam Darnold was better than Baker Mayfield. I think right now, looking at the Carolina Panthers quarterback room, I would say Sam Darnold probably is their best quarterback. And uh, it's after one game, it's maybe a strong reaction to one game. But it's certainly not Baker. So it's either Sam Darnold or P.J. Walker. And 
you know, he had help from the running game. The Carolina Panthers running back Deontay Foreman ran for 113 yards. Cuba Hubbard ran for 65 yards. It's not a very impressive win. You know, Denver is comically bad. However, Sam Darnold in his first game with Carolina this year, he won. Looked pretty good. Carolina was up 23-3 to at, you know, in the fourth quarter. And uh, I, I'm just, it's the beginning of an interesting storyline, which is how does Sam Darnold play the rest of the year? And what is his future like? Because former first-round pick, um, got replaced this year in Carolina, but he also got hurt before the quarterback battle really ended. Baker was bad. Carolina needs a quarterback, and I, I'm just really interested if Sam Darnold can play well enough to create some kind of opportunity for himself again in the future down the road, with whether it's Carolina or another football team. How will Sam Darnold play the rest of the year, and can he, again, play well enough to give himself some kind of opportunity later? Can you imagine, though, the Jets look pretty good. The Jets are ready to win. <laughs> they they wasted, it looks like, we'll see. It's a strong state, but it looks like they wasted a number two overall pick on their quarterback, Zach Wilson. Imagine if they had Sam Darnold right now and had used that second overall pick to draft another really great player. How much better would the Jets be? Is Sam Darnold better than Zach Wilson? Probably. At least Sam Darnold was better than Zach Wilson has been all year on Sunday. So I'm just really, I find myself fascinated and interested in the Zach Wilson storyline the rest of the year. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I'm calling that the quick six. There will be six timestamps uh, on the podcast. Uh, this is my new template for Mondays. Mondays are going to be a quick episode followed by a midweek episode. I'll probably record it Tuesday night, knowing myself it'll come out Wednesday mornings. Then we'll do a Friday episode. Um, I, this one's later than I wanted. Ideally, the quick episode is Monday morning, so you can listen to it on your way to work, which means I record it Sunday night. I ran out of gas. I fell asleep last night. Here we are. But I like this idea. I, I've done people... I'm 25 years old. I have been covering the NFL for five years uh, full-time. I have not, to this point, found a great way to do it. I, I've my life has been fluctuating a lot. I've moved all over the place. I've had, you know, I've been engaged in this and that, and I've never really figured out any kind of work-life balance that is manageable at all. People are like, "You work too much all the time." I'm like, "I don't know. I haven't figured it out." And I, it's really, really important to me to put something out on Monday morning. That is when people want to hear about the stuff that happened this weekend. You know, they. Mondays when, especially Monday morning, you're like, I want to hear about the biggest stuff that happened over the weekend. That is what the quick episode on Monday is going to be designed to do. But I also, it's going to be quick. It's going to be a short episode because I, I want to find a great way to both give you quality, but also do it in a timely manner. I'm not going to rush out a two hour episode. It would be crap and bad. And I don't like that, but I think I can give 30 minutes on Monday. That's high quality really good, well thought out and interesting and be like whatever the most important stuff was. There's other stuff I want to talk about. Coaches were hired. Other games happened. Single Tom Brady. That's for the next episode in the middle of the week. But I want to try to make an episode on Mondays that both is timely and gets out quickly, but also doesn't sacrifice quality. And I've never found a way to do that very well until maybe this idea. And I'm going to do this the rest of the year. We got like, you know, here through February, basically, 
the rest of and it'll I don't know how to do it in the playoffs. I might have to adjust in the playoffs, but um, we'll do a quick Monday morning episode the rest of the year from here on out. And that is my my goal and my schedule moving forward. My 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 um, what I'm attempting to do is going to be a quick Monday episode. With like the call it the quick four or the quick three or the quick five or whatever. This will be quick six this week. A quick look at a quick meeting. It's a deep. It's really a deep dive into the biggest things that happened over the weekend, but literally nothing else. So it's a quick episode, even though it's a deep dive into big stuff. Again, that balance of quality alongside the line of being coming out in a timely manner and getting something out there quicker uh, earlier in the week. So. Um, I hope you liked it. This is my new idea for Mondays. We'll do a midweek episode. Expect that. I just, I I can't imagine I'm going to record it like tonight, get it out tomorrow morning. So expect it Wednesday morning, another episode talking about Monday night football and filling in the gaps and even predicting next weekend. Then we'll do a Friday episode answering Patreon questions and talking about Thursday night. So guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Hope you have a great day. Thank you for tuning in and I will see you on the next one. Ba-dum-bum. Bam, we are done.